0: Well, good morning, class. Good morning. good morning. Good to see you guys. Let's start off with a word of prayer, real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that it's a weekend, that we're uh, just a work week. Uh, another one has passed by, Father. Um, thank you for rest. Thank you, that we're able to take our minds off of uh, everyday life and be able to understand uh, truths about you, about life, about how you've designed everything to work. And I pray that you give us the Holy Spirit here in this class. Um, that you'd open our minds to truth, and that we might be able to uh, just fall in love, deeper and deeper in love with who you are, and how you've constructed things to operate, because it's just beautiful. Um, we pray these things, and ask for your blessing, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, um, so, I guess for those uh, of you that are watching, my name's Ben Williams, I, uh, re- if I don't look familiar, I work in the back, I'm part of the crew that's in the back, my, um, I'm filling in for Tim today. He's actually in my home state of Texas. Uh, Arlington is about a couple, just an hour away, and so I'm filling in for him today. So to start off, I was reading through the quarterly. We'll be going through uh, the Book of Romans, Salvation by Faith Alone. The lesson is overcoming sin. If you guys want to turn with me to Wednesday, um, I was reading through the whole week, and I came across Wednesday, and just something, it, it really just it screamed out to me I was like well that's somewhere we need to start because it's a train of thought that I I perceive is I guess one of the things as I was reading this that I invite you guys to kind of um, be conscious of or really uh, cognitive of is subtleties Um, a lot of times whenever we study and a lot of times personally I go to uh, the college the university down the street Southern Adventist University and there's a lot of uh, and it's not just there I see it elsewhere as well there's a lot of things that we say that we don't necessarily know the entire meaning of, or what. There, there's really subtle things that, if you go by them, and you, uh, you know, we tend to agree with them because they're said often. But um, if you don't reach in for a deeper meaning, it, you find that what it's saying about God is not something that you'd actually agree with, or that you were even cognitive of. And um, that's kind of what. Uh, what I wanted to start with the class with is, is, the subtleties. A lot of my friends that I've talked to you, that are here today is that, um, these things might not seem overtly saying anything about God, but they are things that if you believe they say something about God that, that in it innately undermines your ability to trust him. It just does. Uh, I know from personal experience, um, and I I'm, I'm sure the rest of the class can agree with that as well. Um, that it's, it's the very it's small things it's in the details and it, it, if they pass by unnoticed, it's almost like a Trojan horse. Uh, it's kind of the way I perceive it. of It's perception of truth, but is it really? So um, I invite you guys, please help me out to discuss. But uh, it's sin or obedience. So I guess I'll just start reading. It's Romans 6.16. If you guys want to turn with me there just to see the reference that they're uh, stating there. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and then I'm going to switch over to uh, The Remedy, which is paraphrase, New Testament uh, expanded paraphrase in everyday English. Um, Highly recommend it to you guys. Um, (laughs) uh, For my friends here, it's a really, really good resource that I've just grown so much in my walk as well. Um, 6.16. So... Uh, Does anybody want to read that for me? 616, if they have it on their phones, or?
1: Surely you know that when you surrender yourselves as slaves to obey someone, you are in fact the slaves of the master you obey, either of sin, which results in death, or of obedience, which results in being put right with God.
0: Okay. Obedience leading to righteousness or whether sin leading to death, dis- disobedience. When I looked at the title, I most nearly saw it, sin or obedience. So when you see that, what's the first, what's, what's the opposite of obedience? Disobedience. disobedience. So uh, automatically you're, you're seeing this contrast. It's either disobedience or obedience. In a loving relationship, <laughs> when you start that relationship with obedience or disobedience, does that, if somebody starts with that, does that incite love in any way? For those of you that are, been, that are actually married and have had marriages longer than I've been alive, um, <laughs> you understand, <laughs> it's not, not pointing fingers, just <laughs> um, you understand that when the relationship gets to that point, is there friction or does it run smoother? When it gets to, I'm gonna have my way, and if I don't have my way, it's gonna be a problem. Does anybody anybody agree with this? Anybody? Yes, yes. Okay. So this is something. This is something we'd call a design protocol, right? A design. The way life works. I can't force myself upon you. Um, uh, often, metaphor I use with my friends whenever we're talking about God's realities and how life itself works is. In our society today, and actually the majority of the cultures in the world today, what is it called whenever a man or a woman, it happens more frequently with men, though, forces himself upon a woman sexually? What is that called? So is that, is that, a, is that a celebrated thing, or is that something that's frowned upon? Frowned upon. It's frowned upon. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty frowned upon, yeah? Why is it frowned upon? It's a violation. It's a violation, okay, of what? Freedom. Of freedom. okay. It's a violation of freedom, um, which are we implying that every human being has a right to that freedom, to make a choice? We could even go as far as saying they were designed that way, that if you, const- you obstruct somebody's ability to make a free choice or obstruct their freedom, that love is undermined. The more that you force and coercive, can love exist in that type of relationship? And I invite you guys to just look at instances in the world and your own relationships, the times that you've had, you've seen that when that dynamic came into play, love walked out the room almost immediately. Um a lot of the times whenever I talk with my friends um about about this about this message. For you to understand that reality, and this is, this is, the, biggest, this is the biggest thing for me in, in terms of our message and how it moves, not our message, but the message and how it moves out into all the world, into every country, nation, kindred, tongue of people, everything, is do you have to have a specific religion, understanding of doctrine to understand how reality works? What's the only What's the only thing that is required for you to understand how reality works? Experience. Experience. Okay. Experience. Love. Anybody else? A sound mind. A sound mind. Okay. You have to have a hardware and software
2: system and energy source that is that are functioning correctly.
0: Okay. Okay. So for sure. Hardware
2: damage. Can this miss- misconstrue how reality operates as hardware damage, you know, literal physical brain damage, can misunderstand how reality works, and those with impaired energy sources um, misunderstand how reality works.
0: For sure. So in terms of species, more, more of the answer I was looking for, I guess, leaning towards you. In terms of species, what, type, what species do you have to be? You have to be human. You have to be human. You have to be human.
3: You have to have a frontal
0: lobe. You have to have a frontal lobe. You have to be able to reason out. It's something that makes us different from the rest of God's creatures. But your ability to understand and live as a human being, a common human experience, is it, is it doctrine? Is it fundamental beliefs? Is it um, the, part of the part of the world that you were born in? Is it the color of your skin? Is it any of these things? No. no okay no okay no okay so no right we understand that to love and to understand this it's it's being human it's something god put in us it's designed us now i want you guys to read something something that the the sabbath school says and i'm not i'm not paraphrasing this i'm going to read this word for word and i want you to see at what we just talked about compared to what they're suggesting here okay So it's going to be right below the read, uh, read 617. I'm going to start with notice how. This is what they say. Notice how, interesting enough, obedience is linked to correct doctrine. The Greek word for doctrine here means teaching. Stop. Teaching about what? Teaching about God. Teaching about God. God is the designer of what? Everything. 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 Reality. Okay. Teaching of reality. Okay. The Roman Christians have been taught the principles of the Christian faith, which they now obeyed. Thus, for Paul, correct doctrine, correct teaching, when obeyed from the heart, assisted in the Romans becoming servants of righteousness. We sometimes... (laughs) I underline this. We sometimes hear that doctrine does not matter, just as long as we show love. That's a very simplistic expression of something that's not so simple. As stated in the earlier lesson, Paul was very concerned about the false doctrine to which the Galatian church had succumbed. Thus, we need to be careful about statements that somehow denigrate yeah, the importance of correct teaching. So what was their focus? Doctrine. Doctrine. What does that sprout from you? It's more feedback.
4: Who's to say what correct doctrine
0: is? Who's to say what correct doctrine is? Yeah, that's very true.
4: My personal relationship with Christ is my doctrine. Mm -hmm. God has taught me more than any man could ever.
0: For sure. In terms of the Adventist tradition that we're all very familiar with, Sabbath is the day of worship. Is any of this sounding familiar to you guys? Sabbath is the day of worship, right? Mm-hmm. To be an Adventist, to be part of the last day people, Sabbath is the day you must worship on. And if you don't, kind of at odds with the guy, big guy upstairs, aren't you? But we've got the right doctrine. And in terms of cooperating with Methodists, Baptists, people with different doctrines, going out into the community, we talked about love, right? What's the baseline factor? Being human. We just outlined that. Being human. There's 7 billion human beings on this planet. You think God is more worried about correct doctrine? And when I say doctrine, I mean fundamental beliefs. I mean I mean, saved by works, saved by grace. What's your perception of, of baptism? What, what's, what is your take on, on this, this word of the Bible? How is this? play into our salvation purgatory hell heaven how much time are we devoting into these things
3: well it is complicated because what you think or about someone will determine how much you love that person as well Mm -hmm. they are interrelated so it's not like you can just say what you think or the teaching you give or receive is unimportant because that affects your ability to understand and appreciate and love that person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that with my wife, if I don't know anything about her, it's going to be hard for me to to love her. Mm-hmm. I know we're called to love people, even though we don't know anything about them. But it makes it easier if you have a correct understanding of who that person is.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: So it's not like I mean, I guess you can't just say, "Well, it, it's not important what you think." It is important what you think.
5: It is important.
3: And what you think about
0: God. That's tying back into reality. Is if I have a doctrine or teaching and it says it has nothing that is in congruence with how reality actually works, have I actually taught you? For the purpose of teaching, is there actually an education? If, If the education that you're receiving is not congruent with how reality works, gravity goes down, loving relationships work this way, have I actually taught you?
1: You've confused us, or you have diseducated. You know, if, if there's not such a word, but I mean, if you've, you've, you've promoted ignorance because you are strayed from what is true,
0: from what is true. From how I, I like that. From what is true. I almost I, the way I like thinking of it is how reality, how reality functions, how it how it operates from a day to day. When you when you put your head down on the pillow at night and you wake up in the morning, nothing. In reality, changes, and um, so I guess we'll we'll go to. I I underlined this. This uh, part says we sometimes hear that doctrine does not matter, just as long as we show love. So, are they agreeing with that statement? Are they saying, uh, you know, we sometimes hear that doctrine does not matter, just as long as we show love? So, if I were to say, if I were to say, well, Jesus says, you know, they are by my disciples. By the way that they love one another. If I were to say that I said love matters, and they say, well, doctrine matters too.
6: I think, I mean, to give them a little credit, maybe they just are really bad at saying things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
6: I I would argue that love is the core. Mm-hmm. As God is love. Mm-hmm. But incorrect teaching, which is doctrine, that's how they've defined it and chosen to speak, it doesn't necessarily mean that doctrine is not important but as long as the focus is on God and the way he loves, we can correctly understand (laughs) and if it's correctly understood, it's nothing but helpful But if we focus on only the doctrines being the only important factor, and love is just an add-on, it's just an, you know, it's an extra.
0: Exactly, yeah. It kind of
6: distorts the picture and makes doctrine in the place where God should be, and it just makes it an ugly picture, because then we're more focused on the rules that people are keeping than the love, which should inform the rules, and how we look at the, and by rules I mean the reality and how it should work.
0: For sure, and I I like what you said there, it's... It dethrones kind of God's presence when when the emphasis is on doctrine. And that's that's kind of the that's what I'm trying to point out here. Is that's uh, I guess growing up, and I'll get to you, uh, growing up. Part of part of my I guess my spiritual walk and my spiritual journey has been correct doctrine. Has been what differentiates what differentiates me as an Adventist young Christian man from my, my brothers and sisters that are Methodists, that are Baptist, that are not don't, even, they don't hold a religion. And should I go so far to say is, as human beings, to feel that you have a piece of information, a doctrine or a religion that excludes you and somehow makes you a, saved. So I have this status. I have this status. And you need to be a part of this. As opposed to the other model, where what we teach in this class is what is sin? Sin is an infection. Sin is an infection of selfishness that's, that's captivated us all, that, that leads to death. When you let go of life, you die. This is a natural, this natural design. That's how things work, it's a reality. At the end of time, I, I, I like thinking personally, and I, I tell this to a lot of my friends, is the end when the wicked are destroyed and they're punished, when you let go of life, when God gives freedom, God gives freedom. This changed my whole perspective of how viewing God and viewing his love for us. is. When you, when you let go of life, what happens? Just naturally. You die. And God, God is so loving that he gives everyone free choice. He 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 went as far as to die on the cross, not only to provide a cure, but to go as far as saying, "Is I will never take away your free choice." You know the the the, the, the children that say, the children that say, "Oh, if God's so all powerful, can He make a rock that not even He can move?" You know, this this loop of, of reasoning, and I like to think of free choice that He's given each and every one of us as that rock that he will never, not that he can't, but innately because of who he is, if he were, he wouldn't be who he was. And that's why when he was talking to the Israelites, he, he literally said, he said, I am. It was, just, it was just a statement of existence. You know, try, try doing that with your friends, saying, you know, well, I am was at the other day. It just doesn't make sense. But for him, it's, it was a state of being. He said, I'll never change. And that I would go as far as dying before I would ever take away your free choice.
7: Well, I just think that the doctrine is really, really important because if it means teaching, it does matter to me. For example, we have three little kids. If I teach them, "You can go on the highway and nothing will happen," that's wrong doctrine, and mm-hmm. it'll have an effect. So For that's sure. why it's very important to me that I teach them that it's what What is the truth? The truth is, you cannot go on the highway, and it will hurt you. For
0: sure, and I would actually agree with that. That is doctrine, of course. That is that is a form of doctrine, um, and I guess. So what's it based on? What's your doctrine based on? On reality? On reality. On
2: well, the laws of physics, yeah. because a car hitting flesh is damaging the flesh. So so it's that's based why it's, on the laws, yeah, of, the laws of reality implied. and the laws of life and the law of love, because you love your children, right?
3: Mm-hmm. I think the danger is, though, thinking that you understand reality completely. Right. So I think that's where love becomes the trumping factor, is recognizing when I when I do finally get to a place where I understand things better, I may find out that I've been wrong, but I'm humble enough and willing to recognize that, oh, okay, I, I can't believe I, I got it wrong my whole life, but what I'm seeing now makes so much more sense. So that mm-hmm. that openness to being teachable and, and humble, not thinking you have it all figured out, but trying to figure it out as best I can, understand reality, who God is, recognizing that I possibly could have it wrong, but hopefully one day I will learn more.
0: So of course, and, I, and I would uh, the way I view it, I perceive it as... Constantly going through their life, it's it's very inhibiting to think that you have arrived at points. Uh, I like to I like to think of vectors. I like to think of direction is a directional walk that you're constantly moving. You're constantly understanding, and the new data, the new realities, the new experiences that you're seeing. You know the 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 reality and the reason I would go to most of you with gray and white hair rather than somebody who's fresh out the womb about whether I should do this or that is it's life experiences. It's, it's the more data that you have, that you're rendering, that you're understanding. Yes, this is how God's constructed reality to work. And you're able to test it. You're able to actually test. These are testable things that God is inviting you to ask, seek, knock, to understand. This is the way I've created things to work. And yes, we can continually learn but those base like things we can understand those won't change
1: to some degree doctrine is the glass through which the window we view the world they can be described verbally and set down in rules or statements or whatever else but it's really our perspective our paradigm and sometimes we 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 look at reality through such a tainted piece of glass that we do not perceive what is actually happening. It's bending what we're seeing to something that is not real. Mm -hmm. And it's only by God's grace that we are able to um, change to a different color glass or to a different perspective or whatever. Or
0: put on a completely new one.
1: And sometimes there are individuals who have the same written, Descriptions of reality, but when they look through that glass, they're looking through a totally different glass than I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their perceptions of what reality are, even though they're describing it in the very same words, are totally different. I had an s- experience when I was getting ready to start my professional life, which I'd finished my residency, and I was going for my first job. I was being recruited by two separate entities that were representing one job. But what happened is, all three of us were using the same words, but we were all looking at a different job. And in the end, six weeks before I was supposed to make my move, I had to cancel my move and not go to my first job because I realized that all three perceptions were not... Even though we're using the very same words, mm-hmm. our perceptions of what that reality was, was totally incompatible.
0: Your emphases were different, your yeah, presuppositions were different, of course.
1: So our language was the same, but the, the way we were using those words were different. We use the word love in this class to mean something that's totally different than what most people in, that I talk to regard as being love. Okay? and reality, and law. We look at law in a much different way. And so you can be using the same words with your Christian brother, mm-hmm. and not be talking about the same thing. I think it's very important that we give them leeway. Mm-hmm. You know, someone said something about a recent controversy that said, there's room on the beach. And I think there should be room on the beach to accept more than just our little focus of glass.
0: For sure. And not, not to negate anybody else's experiences or perspective thinking that our own is right. But uh, I guess, and I don't know whether this is a healthy, and this is why I'm presenting to the class, I'm wanting you guys to you know, educate me and help me as well, is a lot of times in terms of uh, people's choices. One, uh, Actually, uh, Tim, uh, his book, The God-Shaped Harp, how many, how many of you guys are familiar with? I mean, pretty much a lot of you guys, yeah. I'm actually doing a life group uh, on it right now, and one of the things that, in terms of decision-making and moral decision-making, one of the, one of the things that he says in there that I, really rings true with me is, have you ever noticed how there's some people in life that they just, on a regular, they consistently make better choices, better decisions than other people? In life, just consistently, it's not. I, I, it, he doesn't go on to say that it's a genetic thing. I mean, although it could be affected with your mental, your software and stuff like that, but it has to do with correct doctrine, I guess. But and and that, like, like, I'm glad Wendell brought that up, is that when we say doctrine, it's twofold. There's doctrine of what makes me an Adventist. <clears throat> What makes me an Adventist? Fundamental beliefs—28 fundamental beliefs. This is what—if I believe these, and I'm in this this route here, I'm an Adventist, you know. And then Methodists believe one thing, and Baptists believe another, and <clears throat> and then there's doctrine that we were talking over here of doctrine that I teach my children, I'm teaching that I would. And I and I'm saying, and one of the reasons I brought this up is because of the doctrine that they're talking here is referring to, I'm an Adventist, this is what, this distinguishes me as an Adventist, a Methodist. And I was wanting us to look the way that she was talking, that was doctrine for the, pur- for the purpose that, the concept that it is, is for teaching about truth, about reality, about how life works. And, um, and one of the things is, when you look at the way reality works, that's not the, something inherent to myself or my own perspective. If you think about it, my perspective is being bent or yielding to, not being bent, it's yielding to things that are outside of myself. When I tell you that gravity goes down, it's not simply my perspective. I'm telling you a reality. When I tell you that love exists, the only way it exists, if there's freedom there's, and, and there's selfless giving involved in it, for me to tell you anything different would not be grounded on something outside. It would come from myself. It would come from my own understanding. Which God is saying, lean not on your own understanding. And as it applies to what he's created in life. Go ahead.
4: When you were talking about doctrine, and I come from a Methodist church when I was younger. What brought me to this church was this Sabbath. Mm-hmm. I had never read <coughs> that. I read the commandments, but I didn't have anybody focus on Saturday for me, and I'm very thankful for that because it brought me to a new light, it brought me to truth that I did not know, it brought me to a big gigantic bunch of people who knew things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the 28 fundamental doctrines, like I can't marry my husband because he's not married as an Adventist, but he is, he, or I mean, he's not baptized as an Adventist, but he's baptized in Jesus Christ. To me that meant more than being baptized as an Adventist or that you have to stop drinking, smoking, cussing, breathing to be an Adventist. <laughs> <laughs> to me, God accepted me, the way I was. I when I found God, I was the biggest you ever saw. And an alcoholic. So I'm very thankful for not listening to doctor, or I wouldn't be here.
0: That kind of doctor. For sure. Thank you. Um, Doctrine and
8: denomination. I'm going to read a verse out of Acts chapter 11, verse 26. This is the clear word. He found Paul and brought him to Antioch for for a whole year. The two of them worked with the believers, teaching them and adding more converts to the church. In fact, it was in Antioch that the believers were first called what were they called? Christians. It wasn't called Seventh-day Adventist. It wasn't called Baptist, Methodist. You just have to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Whatever you choose to believe, entitle it as a doctrine or denomination. If you believe it, then live it. Mm -hmm. And at the end, Jesus will tell you the difference. Heaven is not going to be full of Seventh-day Adventists. Mm -hmm. A lot of Seventh-day Adventists (laughs) A lot of people who take the title of an Adventist are going to have a rude awakening because they don't live the life of a Christian. That's the focus.
0: Mm -hmm. And I want to take that a step further. Is it only the people who proclaim the name Christ or Jesus? Is that what it's referring to? I mean, because yes, they're called Christians, but what was it about those Christians... That made them different. What What were their beliefs about God?
3: I'm not necessarily going to answer that question, but sort of. We were talking about sometimes you have the same words but describing different realities. I think sometimes you have the same reality but different words. And you know, there's the old story. I don't know where it came from about the three blind men and the elephant. I'm sure any of you are familiar with it, where. They're asked to describe what an elephant is, even though they've never seen it. So one of them says it's like a snake, because he's touching the trunk. The other one says, no, you're an idiot. You don't know anything about what an elephant is. It's a tree trunk, because he's touching the leg. And the third one is touching the tail. He says, no, it's like, you you guys, how can you be so stupid as to not know what the reality is? An elephant is like a tree branch, and he's touching the tail. So sometimes the reality is so much bigger. I think that's where humility needs to come in as much as we're trying to understand what reality is, it could possibly well be that that person who seems to be describing another reality I have to recognize that one day my eyes may be opened and I may find out that we're actually talking about the same reality. I'm not saying there's whatever you believe is, is okay. I'm just saying that the reality of God is so much bigger than our ability to understand and we have to be humble and recognizing that we may just be seeing a small aspect of it. And that's where I would like to maybe answer the question of is it only going to be Christians in heaven? Even not just, is it only, only going to be Seventh them, but is only going to be Christians? Are we going to get up there and maybe find out that Allah and Yahweh, that the Muslims describing God in a certain way that seems to be contradictory maybe to what some Christians may be describing about God, could it be possibly that there's actually no contradiction? Mm-hmm. I know there are false doctrines, false teachings about God in both religions, but could it be also there's truth about God in both religions or other religions I'm just saying or no religion or no religion or we have to be cognizant of the fact that reality may be much bigger than our ability to describe it Amen
0: so when Jesus says something like I came that they might know the Father that I need not to pray for you because you can talk to him directly and the relationship between you and him is completely there I reflect the Father I reflect him uh, you not know the father you 've been with me the whole time, right so uh, the majority of jesus 's ministry he was doing what he was healing, he was giving sight to the blind, he was healing the leper, he was restoring I would almost say like those three blind men, he was restoring revealing
5: his father
0: he was revealing his father, he was revealing how life operated and as we look. Um, around us, where our eyes are opened to where not even our consciousness is, can can block out how yes a beautiful uh, a brilliant man has done this, a brilliant entity has done this, so so when I read that I, I, when I hear that, I, I feel like didn 't Christ come to reveal himself though to to show to to, to show reality
3: but he also said. I have so much more to tell you, but you're not able to handle it. To people who spent 24 hours a day then for three straight years, he said, you can't handle it right now, but I'll send you the Spirit who will lead you into all truth. So there is, you know, even with Jesus, they weren't able to understand all the reality of God.
0: Contextually, I would look at that and see what the disciples were necessarily dealing with, because I, I want to stray away from the idea that I can't, I, I, that I, any notion that, you can't fully understand God. Why even try? I would take it to say,
3: no, I can't fully understand God on my own. That's why I need to listen to what other people have to say about God, and not just feel like I only have something to share about. I have something to share about God, but I might have also have a lot to learn about God from other people.
0: Okay, so a man on an island, by himself, with nothing but the book of nature about him, and his reason between his ears can he not achieve the understanding of Christ because there's nobody else around him?
3: Romans 1 and 2. Everybody can share it. Mm-hmm. Huh? He can't share, yes,
4: he can, he can't share it.
0: So he can't share it? Okay.
1: He may have an idea of God, but he may, it, it would not be nearly as clear as if he had seen God the Son.
0: Okay.
5: You know what's beautiful about this message that we have in, in this room? We have become more tolerant of all other people, races, religions. And it was a time when I went to the other church a lot, and it was like, oh, if you're not just like me, you're not going to be saved. And that's not true. I have I have friends who never went to church for a long time, who were kinder, sweeter, more loving than the Adventist in quotes, friends that I live next door to, and now they have started to a Baptist church. And they're still loving and wonderful people. And we've got to be able to look at others and see that in others and our friends, we we just thought we were the only ones. We're not.
0: And and that's going back to that that's why I had an issue with with this this we sometimes hear that doctrine doesn't matter just as long as we show love. They're not agreeing with that. We're, we're we're hearing right now that we're agreeing with Christ when he says, they, you will know that they are my disciples by the way that they love one another. I'm saying that that's a reality. You can go to any culture, any other part of the region, seven billion people, what do they all have in common? They're human beings. Their ability to love, to trust, right? To have relationships. To, 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 to see the reality of, of what your choice is and how it affects somebody else and their feelings. Just natural.
7: It's true. I think that when it says you'll know them by their love, but again, um, I can also love my child, and if they don't listen to my teaching or my doctrine about not going on the highway, things will still happen to them. Mm-hmm. So, but do you love them any less? Yes, yes. That's why I'm saying love is the is of course important, but the doctrine will maybe have something to say in how successful they are in in life or how long they'll live or other things because it's the truth too.
0: But if they did that, would you love them any less? Yes. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't
9: love them. Any less. Yeah. Uh, just not in defense of the lesson, but just from that perspective. Uh, I think that the lesson is uh, a little vague, but it's not off point. Uh, and my, this is my reasoning. Uh, when we talk about love a lot of times in this class, we hear it in more of an intimate sense. Mm-hmm. All right, And that's not necessarily the only use uh, or the only way that God explained love. Love is almost... When you love one another as you love yourself, it doesn't mean that you're in love with them just like you're in love with yourself. That's kind of narcissistic. But it's very easily explained in the sense that every bias is equal. No matter what your background is, no matter what your upbringing uh, or you know, economic class or whatever it is, your objective reality is no more important than someone else's. So it's an equal bias and that kind of puts everyone on the same playing field to where you're not going to treat someone different. You're going to appreciate them and their ideas just as much as you want them to appreciate you and your ideas. Mm -hmm. So, now that's nice for a uniform platform. But what the lesson is discussing is teaching about Christ and his life. And what are we supposed to glean from his life? And that is the doctrine. Mm -hmm. The doctrine is the explanation of Christ. How he made reality work and how we can best thrive in that reality. On that point, for everyone just to be on an equal stance to learn is very simplistic. Mm -hmm. To say that don't worry
8: about the direction or where to to take steps
9: in the right direction to learn of Christ's life, to learn of that reality, just love everybody. All that means is we can all sit down together and respect each other. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't teach us anything. We're not learning so I think that when Christ first came, he said, love one another. That was his platform for everyone to take the bias out of the room and then respect the teaching. And I think that that's something that the lesson had, which was if all you're focused on is taking the stale air out of the room by loving everybody, that doesn't get you down that doesn't substitute the doctrine. That doesn't substitute the te- the teachings that we're supposed to be learning. Loving is giving. Teaching is receiving. And it's much harder to receive new information than it is to just simply not have bias against somebody. Um, so I, again, I mean, I'm, I'm probably off on that a little bit, but I'm just trying to I'm trying to understand uh, where a teaching of what we're supposed to be learning from God. It's not just don't have aught against your neighbor, there is a lot more to that. Okay. Uh, and just having aught against your neighbor is the platform where you move forward. So in the lesson said, you know, loving, it does not substitute the teaching. The uh, Loving is a platform to start learning. Okay. So I think that's, again, the lesson, at least in my opinion, ordered it probably a little weird. But the essence of the lesson, I, I, I agree with personally.
2: In, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, who had the correct doctrine? The, the Levite, the priest, or the Samaritan? Yeah, yeah. The Samaritan, the Levite, the priest. According to whom? Mm-hmm. And According like, to Christ, the yeah. Samaritan did. Yes. According to the, the church leadership, the priest and the Levite had the correct doctrine.
6: And that's the focus of what doctrine actually is. Correct
2: doctrine. Yes. yes.
0: What barrier did that put up for them to actually see the suffering and pain of another individual and their ability to love that person? What scales on their eyes? I find it interesting that Paul, Saul, he was originally Saul, it says three days he was blind. And I, is, that, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but did scales come off of his eyes? So something like scales. Something like scales, right? He was he was one of those Pharisees, he was one of those people where doctrine these 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 Samaritan people, these people that don't hold our view, let's exterminate them, let's kill them, let's destroy them. And then God visits him, Jesus visits him, and he goes blind for three days, and then after those three days, something like scales fall off of his eyes, and he's able to see. I think that's a profound metaphor for his ability to to love to his ability to see another individual and take the focus off of do I have the right doctrine do I have the right stance and see the person next to me that's bleeding that needs clothes God says you know (laughs) you'll know them by my love but also he says when you have heart of children
1: uh, that wasn't wasn't sudden though it's you know In in God's statement to him, why are you kicking against the pricks? Mm -hmm. Your conscience is already there. You know, yes, he had held the clothes of the stoners of Stephen, Mm -hmm. but it had bothered him. He still couldn't get over it. So this was not just a sudden whack in the head. No, of course. He turned 180 degrees and believed something totally different. Of course. This was an ongoing process.
0: Of course. But his ability to love... And connect with his fellow human being. It
1: took him another three years in the desert.
0: It took, yeah, it took him more time, but that barrier was crossed. And I also say, I whenever you see children, you know, God says, "When you, the least of these, you know, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to have heart like a child, trust." Do you ever see children playing around? It's it's they're infantile, but it's it's a very it's a practice and humility almost to see them at, at that time to where it doesn't matter, doesn't matter your doctrine. Doesn't matter. Just matters if we can play. We can have a good time. God's saying it's not, and I'm not, I'm not for one second saying, hey, let's have fun, have a good time. But you see that, that childlike joy, that childlike glee, that innocence, that wow, life is amazing. It's so, you see the joy in, in the youthfulness of their eyes and, and, and how they live life and God's saying that that's we have these treasures in earthen vessels that God God had formed that and that, that that reaction you have when you look upon a child and you smile and they just and they want you to hold them and 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 they want you you know to bounce them and, and stuff like that's something that's God designed that's something that God that whenever you smile I went to uh, there's a ministry here it's called like call it a ministry but you go play with uh you know kids in the um in the not gentrified but the, the, I guess the slummy parts of Chattanooga the just not it's called West Side for Jesus and um there's one kid he was running around and he tripped and fell he was only 3 and um he tripped and fell and I I don't have children I'm not married um <laughs> I'm sure you guys can tell that um but This little child, he fell down, and he immediately started crying. And I was running and jumping with him. And he turned and he was crying. He couldn't see me, but he just had his arms up, right? And and he was just like he was crying. And I was like, oh man, my I didn't even think about it. My immediate and I'm saying I'm a good person. Like I, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that immediate reaction is oh, come here, come here. And bounce him and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And he hugged my neck and it was just like, well, I can just be here forever. Like, (laughs) that's, and all is right with the world. And I was, that's how God has designed life to work. And that's why I keep on wanting to have our identity, not with doctrine, not with doctrine of religion, but of the experience, the human experience of innately you understand what that feels and the joy it brings to love and be loved, to have a child, to pour out yourself for that child and selflessly give and see that child receive it and be joyful. That's a human experience that is common amongst the world, cultures, everywhere on earth. And I'm saying, I, I want to go as far as to say, and I'll get to your question, I'm so sorry. I want to go as far as to say is the last movement, the last movement is when these scales from our eyes of doctrine religion your views goes to we're all human beings created in the image of god designed by a god of love what does that mean that means that regardless that what that's what heaven looks like heaven doesn't look like a bunch of people with patches on their shoulder that says i was an adventist you're a methodist you know you came from that time period i came from that time period Heaven looks like a, a place where humans from all walks of life, all periods of time, can smile and look at each other and say, that's our God. That's what he's like. He, we, we have known who he is and we want to be here forever. Regardless of race, regardless of doctrine, nobody will be, nobody will be showing those. They'll be showing... Meet my grandchildren, meet my children, meet my spouse that I had when when we were at earth. I don't know how that's going to work out, but meet, we'll spent the rest of my life with her, you know, or him, you know, you know, or not, or not meet him. Please don't, you know, no, no, but, (laughs) but it's going to be that connection of love. It's going to be that connection of love. And we see in the world, we see the exact opposite. What do we see on the news? What do we see on the news? Every minute of every day, we see the opposite. We see, we see, we see division. We see, and, and imagine heaven where, I, I like to imagine, you know, some, some of my friends, they argue, we can't possibly imagine what heaven would be like. And in terms of the material things and what it'll look like, I totally agree. We, the creativity, you let it rain free. But I do believe we have glimpses of it and we understand that it starts now. It starts in our heart. It starts when Christ comes, that loving essence of who he is he, we accept what he's done and we'll go later on what he's done because that's also a point of, compen- point of dissonance but that's what heaven will look like heaven will look like love, question is what does love look like so we got some hands so.
7: well I was going to say why I think doctrine is really important because I think doctrine can lead you to a perception of God that'll turn you off. Mm-hmm. So that's why it matters in the way that just like naturally you started out saying if you force yourself on somebody it's a turn off. Oh, yeah. So if you have a doctrine about God that turns you off that's not really helpful. So that's why it's really actually important.
0: And, and what I'm saying right now is doctrine in and of itself. I want you guys to know I'm not so foolish as to think that what I'm saying is not doctrine. What I'm saying itself is doctrine as well if you choose to look at it that way. But for the functionality and the actual identity of what I'm saying as a doctrine, I believe, is the last doctrine. If you want to hold on to doctrine so tight, if you see what I'm saying.
10: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that doctrine is a dirty word because it's a churchy word.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. So- Oh yeah.
10: But the word doctrine is something that Jesus used. Like he says in the Great Commission, He said, "Go up to all the nations and teach them as I have taught you, making disciples." And so the word that he uses there is the same word that we get for doctrine. So he's saying teaching. So and what he taught was love. Mm-hmm. So when we say like, well, it's not about doctrine; it's about love. That in it of itself is a doctrine.
0: It's a doctrine. Yeah.
10: But and I think also, what does what is love um, that we need doctrine to determine that like Jesus defines love differently than other religions do. I mean, I think there are some overlap for sure, but I think it's like, I think it, it can be uh, one of those situations where it's like, Oh, they have a plank in their eye. I mean, they have a speck in their eye. We have a plank in our own eye mm-hmm. where we can look at, at people who are very conservative and we can say, Oh yeah, they're just all about their doctrine. but We're about our, do- uh, we're about love, but even that is a form of doctrine. And I think, uh, it can be easy to fall into the other pit of just using the word love as kind of just a pocket of anything that feels good Mm -hmm. or anything that makes me happy or smile. But I think love... What is that love? Yeah, what is love? That we need to study the Bible and see how does the Bible define love because Jesus spends most of his ministry defining what love looks like. And And it's, I think, a deeper concept than I think we realize. So I think doctrine. I'm defending doctrine a little bit.
0: Okay, okay. So let's, let's look, and, and I guess what I'm pointing to, and, and what we, we tend, that's one of the reasons I started with subtleties, is it's the subtle things. It's the very subtle things that we want to define, that we want to understand, because if they don't go unanalyzed, they have things like what I'm about to say right now. So we're talking about doctrine. So I'll, I'll give you an example of a doctrine, and you tell me what you think. What, what you think it says about God himself. So there's a song, I was talking with a friend, it's called, Oh Come to the Altar. You guys know it? I know some, yeah, some of you go, Oh come to the altar, the Father's, so, Oh come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. So tell me, this next part, tell me what this says about God, and what doctrine it's speaking. Oh come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Anybody? It
3: says that God wouldn't forgive you if Jesus hadn't done something to make him. Or if you don't come to some certain altar or doctrine, then God's arms aren't open wide. I mean, it kind of implies that there's a criteria or a thing that has to be done or in order for God to have his arms open wide or for God to forgive you. That's not necessarily in his nature to have his arms open wide or to forgive you, but there's something that had to be done or that you have to do in order for the that to
0: happen. In order for love to love you, something had to happen.
7: Bring the receipt.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, this is a song we sing frequently at our university down the road. Uh, it's sung everywhere. And I never really thought about it until I actually thought about it. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> So, because I, I love the song. I love, it's beautiful. And literally you can just, oh, come to the, you know, it's just you just get lost in it. But r- the reality of what it's saying about God, if we, we boast and we praise a God of love, God is love. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures through all generations. That's a Psalm 105. But God is love. Forgiveness was bought with the, pre- the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Can you buy forgiveness? If God is a relational God, can I buy forgiveness?
1: You were starting out on, on Wednesday's lesson. At the bottom of Wednesday's lesson is a reference to First um, John. Um, it goes 1 John 1, 1.8 of uh, 2.1. I'd like to read 2.1. 1 um, says, I am writing this to you, my children, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It depends on how you read that text. Mm -hmm. You know? Just like the song you're just quoting, depending upon the perspective on which you read those words means 180 degrees different. Mm -hmm. For most of my life, I had Christ standing in front of the Father, facing the Father, pleading to Him for me. When in reality, I think it's just opposite. Christ is standing in front of the Father, representing the Father, pleading to me. He's pleading with the Father to me. Okay? And so, if you, if you sing that song with the perspective of Christ is pleading His life Mm -hmm. to me. It makes all the difference in the world. Okay? We have turned Christ around in our minds from the direction He's facing. Mm -hmm. Romans 8. Who can separate us from the love of God? It's not the Father. It's not the Spirit. They're all with Christ pleading to us His love. Okay? And so, depending upon what direction you're reading these words can mean all the difference in the world of what it says about God.
0: Very well said. Very, anybody else have anything to add to that?
3: Well, just talking about buying forgiveness, um, if, you, if, you owe, if, if, if you owe me $20, and he comes and says here, I'm paying the $20 that you owe me, Then do I need to forgive you that debt? Or if I said, you know, don't worry about that twenty dollars, does anyone need to come and pay it? So it's gotta it's almost like you can't have both together. Either you've gotta have some debt being paid or some debt being forgiven. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of impossible for to buy forgiveness, either pay the debt or you forgive.
0: And, and the model that we, we use here, and frequently because we have these two, we have imposed law that we often call it, and design law, and we have these two warring methods of how God runs his government. And one of the ways I like to get out of the muddle of that, conf- that I guess, conflict in my mind, just because I grew up with the imposed law, that there was a debt that needed to be paid, that I had messed up with the ruling authority, and it, debt needed to be forgiven. It, something had to be paid. Um, the cannon had to fire one way or another. It's just God's mercy moved the, the, the direction of the cannon. But he has to remain just. Now, we don't believe that. I would say we don't agree with that. We would say that there's an infection, and God came to heal. The only way he could have healed is by entering into this flesh, and providing a cure. But I, I like to draw a distinction is what did Christ really do? He was pleading with us. He was pleading with us because he wanted us to accept this cure. When your fear, when in fear and selfishness, we know what that looks like. We know what love and selflessness looks like. This all of, I guess, nature, we can even see it. You see these two contrasting realities you know, I I walk from my class, I walk from my room to my classes every day and I see birds that are on the sidewalk that fly away when I come near and then they come back once I've passed. Now, why do they do that? Are they trusting me? Are they are they are they wanting to give me my space or what? What what's the problem there? Fear, fear, fear. And if we're afraid of life itself, we're afraid of God. He goes as far as any means. Any means. He emptied out heaven. If the last thing you, there's, if you give everything else, the last thing you could give to tell the truth, to say, No, I'm for you, not against you. I want you to be healed. I want you to live. Please take this. That's love. That's that's God pleading with us. That's not God, I'm sorry, you broke a rule. Dad upstairs is not going to be happy unless I kind of take it. So, uh, you know, that the separation for you to just subconsciously that it hinders you from having a loving relationship with God himself. When you look at it, he's trying to heal you. And it's not just even looking at it that way. It's the reality is he came, he's the second Adam. He came to do what none of us could do for ourselves. This is heal this heart of selfishness and fear. You want to know what heaven looks like? Do the flip opposite side. Imagine a place where I'm walking on the sidewalk. Birds don't fly away from me in fear, they fly towards me in trust, in love. How, how much we see these realities every day. If you open your eyes, it's all over. It's all over. The birds are flying away because they are in fear. You are a big entity, you are huge in comparison to them. How big are we compared to God? an infinite God, and for Him to come close to us. What happened to the, ki- the Israelites in Mount Sinai? They said, oh, oh, you talk to Him. You talk to Him. We'll, we'll be over here. They were afraid. They were f- fearful. So what are the, one of the ways that God overcame that, He came as a human being like you and me. He talked like us. He walked like us. He walked with us, he bore our afflictions, our our, the things, that, <laughs> the things that, that we struggle with on a day-to-day basis. He could relate to that. So heaven looks like those birds that don't fly away in fear. Don't fly away in fear. They, they fly towards you. They, sorry about that. They fly towards you. They fly towards you in trust and love. If you want to know what heaven looks like, that's what it looks like just imagine birds flying towards you not away from you okay and that's what heaven's going to be like as well it's going to be full of people that are wanting to be closer to God not farther away because he can be trusted because we could be held in the palm of his hand and we would just be happy happy, happy, happy if you want to ask me afterwards we kind of have to close so um, I'm so sorry let's close with a word of prayer guys Dear only Father, I want to thank you so much just how loving you are, just how, how brilliant you've made just the universe and everything according to who you are, Father. Your being, who you are, is just so beautiful and that's what draws us to want to be with you for eternity. Heaven is going to look like a family. It's going to look like a family of people that love one another, that want to be with one another and want to be with a God of love, the God that you are, God that is good, that will... Give everything to, to save his people home. I pray, Father, that we go throughout the week that you would help us to see more and more of your realities um, just as I speak to the great controversy and how all this is played out and we might see your love. Be with us as we leave here and open our minds to truth, Lord, ever more and more and that we might increase in our, our trust for you and our love for you.